to head out for children's church. We do children's church from basically from nursery, which they're probably already there, all the way up to completed second grade. And uh, I think most of them are already out there. For the rest of you, we would encourage you to remain standing as we, don't worry, not for the whole time, don't worry. And uh, we are going to continue on in our study of the book of Titus. And we're going to be in Titus chapter 2. If you don't know where Titus is, it is towards the very, very back of your Bible. It is lumped in there with all the other T's. You have 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus. And if you blink, you might miss it. It's there towards the very, very end. And we're going to be looking at Titus chapter 2. And we're going to be reading today verses 11 through 15 as we stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And the word of God says this. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age, looking, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority and let no one disregard you. Please be seated. I'll raise this up a little bit. As I was preparing the message this week and I got to thinking about kind of what we were doing today and how we were going to be recognizing our graduated seniors and those that were were done with this chapter of their life and and are moving on into the next chapter of their life that that happens after graduation. And I, I, I got to thinking about kind of, you know, you guys probably had graduation parties and everybody came and celebrated. You had kind of a, a big day and I have no doubt that you were asked the question that I'm about to ask, and really, because I know I, because I asked you the question, which is, what are you going to do now? Right? Connor, did you hear that question every once in a while? Yeah. Everybody wants to know, K Kayla, did you hear that? What are you going to do now? What's next? What's now? And I, I, I asked it. I think I've asked it three times to Kayla because I have a horrible memory. Um, and she tells me the same thing every time because she's very gracious to a forgetful guy like me. And we asked that question, what are you going to do now? And, and as you already heard from this morning, they have answers. They've thought about it. They've, they've put some thought into that. And, and, and so they were able to say, I'm going to this school or I'm going to that school or I'm going into the military or what it might be. There is some sort of schooling or training or, or some sort of job that, that is waiting for them as they head into this next chapter of their life. And it's not by accident either. They've thought about it. They've had people talk to them. Applications have been sent out. Campuses have been visited. Meetings and interviews have taken place or have nearly taken place. Papers have been signed. They have gone through a process to get to the point where they know what the next step is going to be all along the way. They had parents and high school counselors and military recruiters and, and all sorts of other people helping them along the way, helping them begin to think about what that next chapter would be for them. But think for just a moment, imagine for just a moment if that did not happen. Imagine for just a moment that, that they have gone through their life and the only thing in your life, get done with this chapter, 
chapter of your life. All you need to do is get done with this. And that's it. And then imagine if you were where you were today. Where you have finally graduated high school. You've had the parties. You've had the celebrations. You've ate the cake. You've opened the presents. And then people came up to you and they said, what's next? And you were like, I didn't know there was a next. I don't know what happens after this. I've never thought about what life might be after graduation. It'd be a scary place to be, wouldn't it? Some of us may even be able to relate to that a little bit where we've gone through life and we've gone through a season of life and we just always assumed this is how it would be for the rest of our life. And then suddenly at one point in our life, things stopped and we had to ask what's next and we didn't have a plan for what that next thing would be. Sometimes I think this is, that this is what happens to people when they become a Christian. If you think about it, we begin with evangelism, we form relationships, we talk to them. Maybe it was right here in a situation like Vacation Bible School. In fact, I know one of our graduation, graduating seniors made a profession of faith at Vacation Bible School. I know he did because it was my first Bible school ever in this building. I remember it. And we, we tell them all the stuff and we tell them this is what you need to do to get saved and this is why you need to get saved. We put up three circles or a Roman road or, or who knows what it is and we, we draw the pictures and we show them the, the track and we do all that stuff and we tell them you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You need to make Him the Lord of your life and they hear the good news of the gospel and they believe the good, new, good news of the gospel and they surrender their lives to Christ and they, they become a Christian. And that's a good thing, right? Amen? And it's kind of like they graduate from being a lost person into being a follower of Jesus. But after a prayer is prayed, and after that person gets dunked or passes through the baptismal waters, we leave them without really ever telling them what they're supposed to do next. And often, because life is hard, it can be a scary thing to follow Jesus. Especially when you have no clue what that means. And the world is going to tell you one thing. And there are going to be people who will present themselves as Christians to you, but are going to encourage you to pursue things that are not Christ. And if you do not have someone to come alongside you and say, this is what happens next. You may find yourself asking the question, where am I? What should I be doing? Or the biggest question, what now? I think that's what Paul is addressing in our passage today. Paul is talking to Timothy, and if we will remember kind of the context of, of what's happening here, Paul is, is, is addressing Titus, excuse me, and as he's talking to Titus, Titus is in an island, on an island called Crete, and the purpose of, of Titus being on the island of Crete is to kind of establish and to firm up and to kind of solidify the churches that are there so that they can function and do the work of ministry and proclaim the gospel and disciple people without someone like Titus or Paul or, or Peter or someone else. And so in order for that to happen, 
Paul has, or Paul has to tell Titus, this is what being a Christian looks like. And that's exactly what he's been talking about for the last two weeks. He said, older men do this. Older women do this. Younger men do this. Younger women do that. Slaves do this. And then he gets to our passage today and he says, because this is why. And he begins to address what the gospel is and what that means for our life in the past, today, and even going into the future. So first, let's start with the past. As we open up our passage today, beginning in verse 11, it says these words, For the grace of God has appeared. Now, I love this word appeared because it's a fun word when we kind of go back into it. And it's where we get our word epiphany. You know, when we get a bright, when a bright idea just pops into our head. And it's a word that doesn't really mean created, but much more means revealed or brought into the life or excuse me, brought into the light. It wasn't that the grace of God suddenly existed, but rather suddenly that which was hidden and that which was in mystery was brought to light so that all of mankind could see it. Paul is talking about Jesus and the man and Jesus coming in the flesh and Jesus walking on the earth and, and preaching the good news of the gospel. We even recognize this as we see how he finishes the sentence when he says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. See, everything about life begins with salvation. And apart from salvation, there is no what now. Because you are still lost and you are still dead in your sins. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it is our graduation into a relationship with God. And it is what gives us our meaning and purpose in life. Now, there is a lot of people that want to tell us how we find meaning and purpose in life. Some people will try to tell us that we find our meaning and purpose in life in our kids. But I'm going to say this first off. If you try to find your meaning and your purpose in your children, then you are placing a burden on them that they will never be able to live up to. So don't do it, please. Some people try to find their meaning and purpose in their job. And that's all well and good until you can't do your job anymore. And suddenly you might find yourself at retirement or you might find yourself at the end of your military career, no longer able to do what you used to do. And you will find that you have no more meaning and purpose. You may find meaning and purpose in a sport that you play or in a hobby that you have. But what do you do when suddenly your body is not able to do that anymore? When suddenly life goes on and that chapter of your life is over. People try to find meaning and purpose in things like drugs and alcohol. And lusts and temptations that go with that. But ultimately, none of them will leave you satisfied. In fact, the only thing they leave you is sick and tired, and purposeless. And so it has to begin with salvation. It has to begin with a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that your life can have meaning and perfect from the day you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior until the day that you go to be with Him. 
And no matter how young you are or how old you are, when Jesus is your Lord, he has a purpose and a plan for your life and he will use you for his kingdom and for his glory. Paul goes on later in the passage to actually begin to explain what salvation is and how it has happened that the grace of God has appeared. Look again at verse 14. Talking about Jesus, he says that Jesus first gave himself that he put himself in the place, that he became the payment for our sin. This word gave himself means that he took the place of something else, of someone else, and that Jesus indeed gave himself, gave up himself. Gave up himself to do what? To redeem. Now the word to redeem means to buy something back, to take it back from something. It, it, often it has this idea that, that something belongs to someone else. And when you redeem it, it means you take it and you restore it back to its proper owner. Our passage is specific to this when it says that he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. It's talking about sin. See, Christ came, God put on flesh so that he could ultimately pay the price for our sin and for our lawlessness. Going on, he says that he came to purify us and to make us his people. See, this is what Christ came to do. He came to save Christ came to save sinners. And that is at the heart of everything. That is the beginning of all that we are. And that is the beginning of the gospel. Oftentimes we ask the question, what am I supposed to do? And deeds are important and how we live and what we do in our life matters. But none of that matters apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with faith. And it begins by believing that Jesus is, in fact, everything that he said he was and that he did everything he said he did and that he gave his life on the cross in order to die for our sins, that God poured out the wrath for my sins and for your sins on Jesus on the cross and that he died the death that we deserved. This passage in in uh, Titus 2.14 is, is uh, very remnant. In fact, probably Paul had the words of Mark chapter 10, verse 45 in his mind as he wrote it when Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What we find in, chapter, in, in verse 14 and what we find in Mark chapter 10.45 is the beginning of the gospel message that Christ died for us in order to save us from our sins. Paul communicates that full gospel message in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, when he says, For I delivered to you that which is of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. It has to start here. And none of it matters beyond this. If you do not come to saving faith in Christ Jesus, if you do not believe the truth first, it really doesn't matter how hard you try. It really doesn't matter how good you try to be. If you do not surrender your life to Jesus, it doesn't matter. 
We cannot skip over believing. We cannot hope in order to live a a good enough life. We cannot keep our options open for all the other things and be be cool with God and assume that, that maybe all roads lead to Him. And if we're just good people that we'll be okay with God, it doesn't work that way. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you are in this room and you look around and you could pick the goodestest person in this room and they are still a sinner. And if they remain in their sin, there will come a day that they will stand before the Father in judgment and they will fall short of his standard and of his glory. It has to start with Jesus. And if you want to hope for eternity with God, then you have to come to God through Christ. The Bible is very clear on this. In Romans 10, chapter 9, which is one I hope that by now you have memorized, because I think I use it every Sunday, we read that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the heart we believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth we confess unto salvation. I would encourage you, if you are here today and you have not done that, that you do that first. That you don't wait. That you don't trust in your own righteousness or hope that you're going to find a loophole somewhere around the way. That you don't wait until you've sown your wild oats, that you've gone off to school and done the college thing. And then you'll get your life right with Christ. Because as we see all too often, people who thought they were good people don't make it out of their college days. So don't wait and hope that you will. This brings us back to the question that started everything. What are we going to do? What are we supposed to do now. So if you are in Christ, that's kind of where you're at. You know, if we look at if you're in Christ and what Jesus did in the past is what gives you saving faith, what's put you in a right relationship with him. But what are we supposed to do now? Now that we have become a follower of Jesus, now that we have given our life to Jesus, what should my life look like as a follower of Jesus? What are we supposed to do with this newfound faith in salvation? This must have been a big question on the island of Crete because the church was there and Paul had this this need to begin to explain it to him. And to answer that question, I want to look at verse 12 and, and help you kind of realize that this is really a continuation of what happened in verse 11. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all of men, instructing them to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and so forth. See, this is what it was all about. You could even kind of simplify all of that together and say, for the grace of God has appeared certainly to save all men, but the grace of God has also appeared to instruct us, to teach us, to show us what it means to follow the Lord and to live for Jesus. I want you to understand something this morning that when Christ came, he redeemed us from our sin and taught us how to live and empowered us to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is like that commercial for Coke Zero a few years ago when, when the guy was on his, on, about to be shot before the firing squad and he says, I want a Coke Zero. And then they're like, okay, and they give it to him. And then he st- they're getting ready to shoot him. He goes, and? And then they brought him a pizza and he goes, and? And they just kept bringing him stuff until finally they let him go. See, the Bible, there's a lot of times in Scripture where we want to make it either or. But often in Scripture, it is and, 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 and. And when Christ came, he came to save us from our sins and show us how to live and how to follow him and what it meant to be a child of God. Make no mistake, Christ came to save sinners. Paul is explicit about that. However, he did so much more. Looking back at the passage, we see that the grace of God, that Jesus appeared to instruct us to do what? First, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. There's a concept here that that we are putting off something, that there is something that was a part of us before our relationship with Christ that is no longer supposed to be a part of us. That this ungodliness, that these worldly desires were something that do not come from God and therefore should be taken off but then putting on something else. He says that you are to deny ungodliness or say no to ungodliness and worldly desires, but then also to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. Paul expands upon this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, when he says it this way. He says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked while you were living in them. But now you also put aside all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, for Christ is all and in all. There is an idea here that we ask the question, what am I supposed to do now? And the Bible answers, it says to take off the sin and the worldliness and the worldly desires that we have. And those that that defined us before saving faith in Jesus and to begin to put on the things that make us look like Jesus. This does not happen overnight. See, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were saved. You were cleansed. You were washed. You were made brand new. You were a new creation. And it happened like that. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you went from death to life. You were filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly you were able to walk in the way of Jesus. That happened in a moment. But in order to become more like Jesus, that is going to take a lifetime. And not a single person here has reached that level. From the oldest to the youngest, all of us are still trying to be more like Jesus. 
It is a process that you work through your entire life. And God, by the Holy Spirit living inside you, reveals to you your sin as you grow in Christ and moves you to put away sinful thoughts, sinful behaviors, and sinful actions in order to replace them with godly thoughts, godly behaviors, and godly actions. This process is called sanctification. And it should be the desire of every believer to grow and to be more like Jesus. In fact, look at the very end of verse 14. He says that he is created for him, redeemed for himself, a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. This means, I just want to think about this for just a second. This means not only should you do what is right in the eyes of God, but you should want to do what is good in the eyes of God. That's a gut check for all of us. We need to ask ourselves not only am I trying to do, am I working or am I striving to do what I think is pleasing to the Lord, but then even take it one step further and say, do I want to? Because I think that desire, see the word zealous means desire. I have a desire to do the things that honor God. What are your desires? Are your, do you have a desire to see God glorified, a desire to do the things that lift up Jesus' name? Do you have a desire for those things? If you do not, you may need to talk with the Lord and figure out where your head and where your heart is. Paul shows us how to do these things in verse 15. He says, these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority and let no one disregard you. See, if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to grow in not only our knowledge of God, but our obedience towards God, we have to keep learning. We have to, as we would say, put in the work. And even allow other people to pour into our life to disciple us and encourage us and, and sometimes even reprove us and, 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 and kind of be that stop sign for us to say, you need to stop doing what you are doing because it is not honoring God. And we need to hear that and receive that and allow God to work in that because sometimes the sin in our life is sin that we can't see. Sin is a horribly self-deceiving thing. And we need godly men and women that will come into our life and say, hey, you can still be more like Jesus. Let me show you. See, it doesn't just happen. We don't just program your brain the moment you receive Christ or even as you go and we install updates like an HP. And you get more and more like Jesus. You have to put in the work. You have to be willing to learn. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us. That's true of everything in life. If you want to become a better anything, you have to put in the work. Better doctor, a better coach, a better teacher, a better singer, a better preacher. Every part of our life, we have to put in the work. We have to learn and grow and teach and allow people to come into our lives in order to become better at who we are and what we do. Why would that not be for our walk with Jesus as well? So what are we supposed to do now? Jesus would say, follow me. 
Put off the old self. Deny yourself. Take up my cross and follow me. That includes learning, growing, bringing people into our lives that can speak hard truths in love so that we might grow. And that gets us to the last question we need to ask this morning, which is where are they taking us? No matter what you guys end up doing after high school, and I think this is true of everybody and we've learned that as we've gone through life, I want you to know that your decisions are going to take you somewhere. They're going to take you to a job. They're going to take you to a a new place to live. They're going to take you even to a new family. When you decide to follow Jesus, it is also going to take you somewhere. And Paul speaks about this briefly in verse 14. Excuse me, verse 13, when he says that we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to understand. And this is for everyone in the room, not just our graduates. Every single person, everyone that draws breath, everyone that that has ever existed will one day see Jesus face to face. Every single one of us. Whether we deny Christ or we receive him, whether we believe or we reject, every single one of us is going to see Jesus. But for those who are in Christ, when he appears in all of his glory, it will be a blessing. It will be the reality of hope fulfilled. And we will be with him and we will get to enjoy eternity with him, free from sin and all of its effects for all time. If you are in Christ, rest assured, no matter what you have to go through in this life, no matter how hard things get, no matter how many curves it throws at you, no matter how much uncertainty there may exist, no matter how much struggling you go through, no matter how often God refines you with fire and sifts you and causes you to grow, even in times when it hurts, there will come a day where you will see Jesus face to face and you will be with him forever, free from all the hurt, pain and sorrow that this world could throw at you. And that is is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing. Amen? But if you are not, if you have not given your life to Jesus, if you are not in Christ, there will come a day where you will see Jesus face to face and it will be a horrible terrible frightening day because it will be a day of judgment and it really won't matter how hard you tried and it really won't matter what good things you may have done in life You will stand before Christ in the judgment seat. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And your name will not be written in the Lamb's book of life. 
and we ask the question, what are we supposed to do now? I pray that we will make the choice to live. To live in light of who Christ is. To give our heart and soul to Him. And do the everything we can so that when Christ returns or we go to be with Him, that as many people as we have known will see hope fulfilled because they have come to know Christ through us. There is a world that needs you. That needs you to share Christ with them. That needs to see Christ in you as you live for Him and as you put off the old and put on the new. Because there will come a day where this life over this, under the sun will be over and eternity will begin. And we need to be ready and we need to make as many people ready as we possibly can. If you are with us today and you have heard the good news of the gospel, and there's good news here, make no mistake, and you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to do that. I can't think of a better way to start off VBS week than to see people come to saving faith in Jesus. If you're with us today and you've been asking yourself the question, okay, I believe this Jesus thing, now what? I want to challenge you, live for him. Put off sin, put on Jesus, and make him known among the nations, starting here in Monument Valley. If you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or you just want to have prayer and talk about how God's moving in your life and working in your life, I'm going to come stand right here. And you are welcome to come up and talk to me. And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus and you want to talk to me about it, I can do that. You don't have to. You can probably turn to the neighbor, the person that drug you here and say, hey, I'm, I want to do that. What's this Jesus thing? I want to do it. And I bet you they can share it with you. But however God's speaking to you, if you would like to respond this morning, we would invite you to come forward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you. And God, we praise you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, we praise you because the gospel is not a one-time event in our life, one thing that we believe one day in a prayer we say at one time and then we're on our own. But God, you have called us into a life of living and pursuing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us here, Lord, that we would take that call to sanctification seriously. Lord, that we would grow and learn and pursue you, that we would put in the work of being more and more like you, not just for our own benefit, but God, that we would do that so others can see Christ in us. And God, when they see Christ in us, we will be able to share Christ with them so that then Christ can be in them. God, you have called us to be your light. And you have called us to turn the world upside down. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would take that call seriously. And that God, through this church, whether it's Vacation Bible School or every individual in this room, Lord, I pray that the world would hear the good news of the gospel and be transformed. Lord, I know that there are people in this room that it needs to start with them today. And so God, I pray that even now your spirit has been touching their heart 
And Lord, that today would be the day that they give their life to Jesus. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.